brought some of the traditions with them, of course, from old Yankee Stadium, including the defensive roll call. That's bald Vinny out there in the right field bleachers, getting him ready. As each Yankee is supposed to acknowledge the roll call as the fans come to each player in turn. Swisher saying, hang on a sec, there's a pitch coming. Now I got you. Such a shy guy, that Swisher. Kinsler to start the game and Eric Chavez finally acknowledging the fans. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Straight Shooting with Pistol Pete. Today I have the pleasure to be joined by Vinny Milano, better known as Bald Vinny. Vinny is the former leader of the road call in the Bleacher Creatures at Yankee Stadium. He also owns his own apparel website, uh, baldvinny.com, where he sells Yankees apparel, t-shirts, hats, pins, and as you can see there, he's wearing his Cheaters shirt, uh, the Houston Astros. We all know what happened with that. And Vinny made his own Astros T-shirt, and I'm sure it sold pretty well once it first got released uh, after the scandal took place. So I've known you for a while. I think since 2001. My uncle had season tickets starting then, uh, back in the bleachers. So I think that was the first year that I met you. So I was probably seven, eight years old at that time. For you, when did you start going to the games in the bleachers? And when did the roll call start and how did it come about? So uh, I really started sitting out there in like 97-ish. 98 was my first real full, like I went to a lot of games season. Um, and that's just like timing-wise, you know, roll call really kicked off in 96. Uh, so it was already going by the time I got there. And I, I love to tell this story because it's kind of funny. Like, like most things, it starts out of boredom. You know, it was an afternoon game against the White Sox. Uh, really sparse attendance and you always had a rapport with the guys in the outfield like we knew right field and center field they can hear us because they're right there right. but it was like hey do you think we can get tino and everybody started chanting tino's name he turned around and it was like oh my god they hear us <laughs> like they're like trained to ignore everything that goes on you know they hear a jeer and whatever so the fact that we got through and then once we did that, it went all the way around. And I know there's only one person I know of who has the video. Um, back then, the Yankees were on MSG, and Al Troutwig actually mentioned something um, on the post game about it. He's the one who actually dubbed it the roll call. Wow. Um, so it was going on by the time I got there. And uh, just a matter of timing, you know, like I, I was in between jobs at a time and uh, happy to be going to a lot of games. And I'm blessed with being really, really loud. So. <laughs> yeah, it just happened. 
when did it first occur that everyone heard you guys and the roll call kind of went around the entire field? What, do you remember the first time that happened? I remember the first time I was a part of it, you know, and for me, it really felt like, and, and still I kind of get this feeling even like a thousand games later that like, they're waving to me. You know what I mean? Like you don't get that interaction in any other sport. No basketball player is going to wave to a specific group of, you know, like it just doesn't happen. So I feel like we get that interaction and it's always felt special in that regard to me. And what really set it off was when we started hearing rumors that the players were taking it seriously. When they started making fun of each other for letting it go, you know, there's a very famous story from very early on that Derek Jeter used to make fun of Scott Brocious because Brocious used to milk it, you know, like, and, and who blames them? Like who wouldn't want to hear your name being chanted by like 10,000 people? Like that's gotta be cool. But uh, you know, then it started taking on a life of its own, you know, I credit Johnny Damon for being the first guy with a real like custom roll call response uh, that kind of made it his own. And then it just kind of took off from there. Very cool. I mean, the roll call, you don't see it, anything else like that. Any event, sporting event, any kind of event you go to, where everyone acknowledges fans. And it's, it's amazing. It was amazing to watch for the first time I was there, just seeing everyone turn around. And then when Johnny Damon, like you said, came in, Wisher with his salute, Giambi with the salute, it kind of really just transformed into something awesome. Um, I want to transition a little bit uh, to – the names of the Bleacher Creatures. You have Sheriff Tom, you have Tina the Queen, you have Cowbell, uh, Milton the Cowbell Man. How does, and your name, Gold Vinny, I mean, it's kind of obvious looking at you why the nickname stuck, but did you guys come up with those nicknames yourselves or you guys kind of gave them to each other? Well, Sheriff Tom was always Sheriff Tom, right? Sheriff Tom wore a sheriff badge. Uh, that was part of part of our gimmick you know what i mean uh tina is the queen she ran the show she runs the show she's still you know what i mean right. so like a lot of these nicknames kind of took a natural shape you know uh, i think what really kind of drove it home was when phil bondy started writing about us in the daily news and we were kind of almost caricatures at that point you know we were characters um and it kind of culminated in the book leading pinstripes that came out in 2004 so I think a lot of all that played into it and it's fun because when you have a group as big as ours, you have to differentiate people somehow. So you got to give them nicknames. You know, uh, we have a million Johns, there's a million Mikes, you know, we have a, a very good friend uh, and I, I tell the story quite often. We were away I, out West somewhere. We used to travel quite a bit and we're in a hotel and the phone rings and uh, yeah, we like to send John up. And we're all looking at like who's John? Like I don't, I don't, we don't John. Hang up the phone. Phone rings again. Like yeah, John's here, and we're here in the background. Yo, tell him it's Pops. Pop. I'm like we only know him as Pops. Like I've never, I didn't even know his name was John. Like I, and, and, so it's stuff like that where you're like, it, it was fun, and, and you, you kind of adapted to the situation. Like you needed nicknames because there was just so many people. And you alluded to it. Just in that uh, the answer, I, uh, the question, the answer to the question I asked you about the Bleeding Pinstripes book by oh, yeah. Philip Bondi, who wrote in the Daily News, wrote columns about you guys. Yeah. How did that book kind of maybe transform you guys or elevate you guys to more notoriety before that book? You know, people knew who you were, but did that book kind of elevate you I'll guys? tell you, for me personally, um, it, it helped me a lot because I was on the cover of the book. Um, 
you know, that was, a, I don't know who decided that. I don't know where that came from, but that helped me tremendously, um, especially when it came to the retail of the book. There was a sports publisher, sports publishing company that, that created it, and I was able to purchase some. Uh, but then they went out of business and they were selling it at like a super discount because they were just trying to clear inventory. And it turned out like in the long run, I sold more copies in Barnes and Noble of that book um, just off the table on River Avenue. Like I'm on the cover. I was signing copies. Like it really helped me uh, like be bald Vinny. You know what I mean? Um, and obviously the next step, you know, the following year was the reality show, the ultimate road trip where really I, became the guy where the sunglasses happened all the time. That was part of the look, you know? Um, I always wanted to stand out as a very small fish in a very big pond. Yankee universe is huge, man. And there's a lot of players in that universe. And just to try to be something that stood out, it was the shades and goatee and uh, bald head. And, you know, just try to be, like I said, bald Vinny. Um, and it's very funny. There's not any other Vinnies, right? So it's not like I needed a nickname because I'm the only Vinny. Uh, what happened was there used to be two guys named Ray, uh, and one of them was bald. And bald guys look alike. You have goatees, you bald head, you all look alike. So he was bald Ray because you had to tell the two Rays apart, and then it just naturally became bald Vinny. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And once again, you segued perfectly into that's my next question. I'm good at this, man. And I told you, <laughs> the ultimate road trip by yes. Uh, you yeah. went every single game that year. Is that correct? Yeah, it was 162 games. It was the 2005 season. Um, and honestly, it really wasn't that hard. You know, like they set up the travel for us. They set up all the hotel and the accommodations for us. Um, it was really just showing up for work every day. So you, you're, the work was the game and you had things to do before and after the game. There were some of your responsibilities. Um, the silly stuff I really didn't like, you know, like the duck tours and like playing the games and the scavenger hunts and stuff. That's not really what I want. Like I'm a baseball. I wanted to go hang out with the players. I thought we were going to do stuff like that. And what's really unique about that reality show that's different from other reality shows. Um, most shoot for six months, then it's all done. And then they edit it and then it airs. We were shooting every week and airing every week. So what's different is there really was no way to create any story arcs. There wasn't any character development. There wasn't like, like I was going through a lot of stuff at that time, um, you know, relationship wise, family wise, business wise. And they didn't really get to touch on any of that stuff because it was silly games and, you know, because of the quick turnaround. So I really think they could have done it a lot differently. Um, it probably could have been a lot more compelling television. Um, but it was a great experience. I mean, like, dude, who gets to do that? You know, I got to throw out the first pitch at a Yankee playoff game at the end of that year as a cast member of that show. So, it, I mean, like, incredible stuff. And really, like I said, it, it really helped create ball winning. So the old stadium, I know, is so important to you. And you had so many memories there. And I know how much you loved it. One of the coolest things that I thought about the old stadium was the separate entrance that we had to the bleachers. You couldn't go anywhere else. You were, once you were in the bleacher entrance, you stood there, you cheered, and then you left out the bleacher entrance. You couldn't walk around the stadium like you can now. What were some of your most memorable moments? I know there's so many, but if you could think of oh, one, two big ones that you have. Honestly, it, it, there were so many special moments there. And like, I think a lot of it is around that, you know, like where we had our own special entrance and everything was ours and we felt like it was our area. Like there could be a whole stadium, but we were like our own little universe. And I think one of the 
real things that led to our fun and great atmosphere was that the tunnels came up and people were in the front and then you walked up in front of everybody. Now, you know, at the new stadium, you sit down, people come from behind you. They don't see you. You don't, you know, we were the spectacles. So somebody coming in late in the second inning, that was, ah, you know, and one of my favorite memories uh, was one of my birthdays out there. Um, you know, we're all hanging out. It's like the middle of the game and there's a little commotion coming up from between 37 and 39. Uh, and there's a gorilla costume, guy in a gorilla costume with a big sash that says happy birthday on it. And I'm like, first of all, where, where the hell does that ever happen? Second of all, I'm like, oh my God, there better be a stripper under there. And all of a sudden he starts hitting wrestling poses. Right, you know, Macho Man, Hogan, and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Sheriff Tom, <laughs> and uh, it was one of those like, like we're a family, we celebrate together, we have fun together, and like again, where else, like what, no other venue's gonna let you come in in a mask and a gorilla costume, like it was just crazy, and like the fun times we used to have, man, those, those memories are, are priceless. So the last year at the old stadium was obviously 2008. You had the all-star game. You had the home run derby. The thing that I remember most about that year, and I was there for it, obviously, was the final game at the old stadium. The final roll call was on ESPN. They broadcasted it. They covered it. How cool yep. was that to be on the last game? You guys would be a focus at the beginning of the game. Honestly, bro, I'm going to tell you, like, literally any time, literally any time we get any sort of publicity or – I'm in the paper or on TV. It's the most incredible thing because we're just Yankee fans, man. We just, you know how it is out there. We like to make noise. We like to be rowdy. We like to have fun. If people can share that with us, that's like the ultimate thing. You know, like when I started sitting out in the bleachers, it was very much you had to earn your way in. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just because you sat out there didn't make you a creature. Didn't you, like, you got to kind of like prove your worth. And that was kind of, hard for our group it's hard you know to grow it's hard to for people to feel inclusive in, in that type of environment you know so I, I love the fact that we get to bring it to everybody because we're all fans man people are like what do i gotta do to be a bleach creature um you gotta be loud man you gotta love the yankees it helps if you hate the mets and the red Sox. that's pretty much it you know what i mean <laughs> like it's not it's not a lot to it so we want to share that love and and we love that people want to come and hang with us you know, at the new stadium, like the security guards at the top when I was really involved and still going, um, we used to create like catchphrases or like passwords because people would want to come hang out and like they'd come by shirts like, oh, can we come to a roll call? I'm like, look, you got to go to the top and you see this girl over here and the password is Albuquerque. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, no, man, I'm telling you, you go up there and you tell, you tell so-and-so you say the word Albuquerque, she'll let you in. And that's how we used to roll, you know? And we would let friends in and people would come hang out. And, and honestly, I got to thank all the people who used to sit immediately around me because that's got to be annoying, man. Like we would come rolling in or especially when the celebrities would come down, you know, a lot of security and they roll with their people and there was a lot of cameras and, and the patience of everybody else in the group, you know, that was really instrumental for me, you know, in having any sort of success or being, you know, famous, whatever. So you guys moved across the street in 2009 when the new stadium opened. The Yankees won the World Series that year. It was a great year. But it, I don't think it was as easy as people realized for the creatures. How, what was the biggest challenge for you guys moving across the street to a brand new ballpark, new seating, kind of different, a little bit different vantage point? What was it like? 
every, everything's different. You know, um, the name creatures came about because we're creatures of habit. You know what I mean? We, we do the same thing in the same place at the same time all the time. Um, so anytime you disrupt a routine, it's difficult for everybody. You know, w- before the new season opened, um, before the new stadium opened, rather, we weren't really sure we were going to be kept together. You know, at the time, you know, we weren't really, I, I don't want to say like well-liked or well, you know, I, we weren't really felt, felt like part of the family. You know what I mean? Um, we were really haven't crossed that threshold of being like, accepted within the Yankee organization, I guess you can say, you know, being invited to events or being invited to participate in things. Um, so that was our number one question mark. So really what happened at that time was uh, Tina, Queen Bee, um, had brought our seating chart to the Yankees and they were like, um, all right. And we were, we were like, wait, wait, what? All right. You know, and like there were some kinks in the very beginning, like they had sold seats that really didn't exist in the new ballpark. And that was just all schematics because they didn't really know like the number of seats and rows and and how things kind of laid out or whatever. But the fact that they kept us together, we thought was was huge. You know, that was really the first thing, you know, like where where we felt like the Yankees actually cared about us because for a very long time we were like, we don't care if you like us or not. You know what I mean? We're going to do our thing. And, uh, but once you get kind of part of the family, it <clears throat> makes it a lot different. You know, uh, obviously I had the, the, the show at that point, but um, the last season we were, a few of us were invited up. Um, I don't know if you remember like the second half of the season, there was a countdown ticker yep. in the score bar. And after the end of the fifth, you know, and we were invited up to go do that one night and count that down. And like, I, it, it kind of blew my mind, you know, like, how are we, you know, like we're finally crossing the curtain, you know? Um, And as a kind of a personality, that's what I always wanted to do for Yankee fans. Like at that time, the team was very old guard, you know, Jeter, Paulie, Bernie, Jorge, you know, those guys were not, not super accessible. They were kind of very untouchable. And as a fan, if I can help bridge that gap between the fans and the team, I'll be that guy all day, man. I love, I love that stuff. So you've had plenty of guests when you were the leader of the roll call, come out and do the roll call with you. I could go down the list. Sonia Sotomayor, the judge, was amazing. Uh, Meredith Rockovitz, Michael Kay, um, Ryan McDonough. There's so many out there. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a favorite that came out there? David Cohn, for example. Uh, a, a couple of ones that stand out the most, um, Justin Tuck, because he's a huge Yankee fan. Um, like a lot of people, I, like they would come out there and I have to explain what's going on. Tuck came out. He's like, no, bro, I, I got it. I know I, I'm, I'm down. And wow. like, that was super cool. One night, uh, you know, it, we were really big with Swisher. You know, he was our boy. Um, his wife who was super, super cool with us. One night we actually had three guests at the same time. It was uh, Joanna Garcia Swisher, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, and Greg Grunberg, who is in Heroes and Felicity. Uh, so I had like three, like, Hollywood stars ha- come and hang out with us to do roll call. Like Amazing. that type of stuff was surreal. It was so much fun. And the fact that like, it was, we were like an attraction, like that, that was, that was awesome. So you're wearing one of your shirts. Like I mentioned in the beginning, the cheetah shirt. I'm wearing one of your shirts as well. Cold power. Yep. These shirts can be fine, uh, found on boldvinny.com. So nice little plug for you. Um, Appreciate that. So, when did you first start creating the shirts? When did you get the idea to do it? And um, how long have you been doing it for? So I started making shirts, like, a, 
officially making shirts for the bleacher creatures and making shirts in general are two different things. I've been involved in silkscreen, honestly, since high school. Um, I took a printing class and part of that printing class was learning silkscreen. Um, I was the guy in college that used to run through the dorm rooms with bags full of shirts that had your college name on it with Calvin and Hobbes or like Rolling Rock and stuff. Um, so I've always been involved in printing and making apparel. Uh, when we were sitting in the bleachers, I felt the need, you know, like we wanted to rep our crew. You know, that, that was really all it was, was about was, was just repping our, our group. And my uncle was also in the, in the apparel business and I reached out to him and we put the order together. And it's kind of funny because back then there were no PDF proofs, you know, you didn't get emails and stuff. And had I done that, the section 39 or section 203 shirt would look completely different because that's not what I wanted. I did not want that stencil look to it. You know, I really wanted it to look like a name and number, Yankee name and number shirt. And at some point, somebody approved that and I, I kind of hated it, but I was stuck with them. You know, like, what am I going to do? And once you put stuff out, that's it. You're uh, Everybody, well, oh, well, why is mine different from, you know, so it had to be that thing. And uh, in the very, very beginning, I would come into the stadium with two big shopping bags with t-shirts and I would sit in section 39 and before even like the national anthem, I would sell them out. And then after a couple of days of that, you know, the Yankees came in and they were like, look, we don't really want you to do that, which was obviously understandable and very cool. And just kind of progressed into there. And then I, you know, looked into starting my own business and bringing the only equipment into my own basement. And at the time I was, making it in my parents' house and making everything by hand and taught myself how to do it all. And the rest is history, I guess. You have a favorite t-shirt that you keep PG for this show that you really like more than any other one? Yeah, my two favorites. Um, I have two favorites are the Superman Derek Jeter shirt. You know, that was just so visually striking. And I liked carrying that even after he was gone because it made people stop, you know, um, that one. And then Mariano's last year, I did like a Metallica themed shirt and I'm a huge, huge Metallica fan. So we did like a, a baseball goat on it. Um, so I came out with my shirt in like May, right before the season started, April, May. And in the late summer, Metallica released a shirt with, for the Giants. Like they do a San Francisco Giants night. And they kind of like stole my idea. Like they used a goat with a baseball thing. And I was like, this is the best ever. Like, I thought it was super, super cool. So, yeah, those are my two favorite shirts by far. So, you started making masks. Obviously, we're in a crazy time with the pandemic, yeah. the coronavirus, making Yankee masks, and they came out fantastic. Everyone seemed to really love them. Are you still making them? How many have you sold, and what's the response been? Honestly, that was something that kind of fell in my lap, and I'm really thankful for it because, like many other people, I'm out of work right now, and um, that project's kind of keeping me off unemployment. So, um, it's kind of a blessing. It just kind of fell in my lap and uh, I'm thankful for the response. You know, it was a, one of those things where at that particular time, uh, it was a very in demand thing and I had to bust my ass for, you know, two weeks, real, literally 18, 20 hour days, um, because it's a labor intensive process. You know, I don't sew, I don't have a sewing machine. I have a commercial embroidery machine, which is very different. Um, so it's a very labor intensive process and I kind of didn't realize all the other components that go into it like cutting all the strings and and welding all the ends so they don't fray and then like trimming and peel like at certain points i had my kids come down and help me out because they're just so overwhelming um but again I, i'm thankful i can provide a need you know uh, obviously it gives me something to do uh, we're all sitting at home you know really have nothing to do it gives me a little bit of sense of purpose 
you know, uh, I'm kind of helping people out and that felt good. And then I was, obviously, of course, like when you're, you have all this materials, like I can give stuff away, you know? So like there were people that were out of work, people I know that are out of work. Um, but like, yo, you just throw you a mask, dude. Like you gotta go to the shopping or whatever. Like you shouldn't wear a bandana. That's not gonna really help. You know what I mean? Like, so anything, again, it, it just happened to be one of those things that fell in my lap and I'm, I'm happy I was able to, to, you know, help people out. And again, I'm happy I was able to keep food on the table. So, yeah. Very good. I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to do that. Um, it seemed like everyone was really loving them posts. I love when the people post the pictures. It got me too, me too. Yeah. People tag me and stuff like that. I love that. Uh, that's always been my favorite thing, whether it be shirts uh, or these masks or whatever. And cause that's how I grow my business. You know what I mean? I'm one guy on a street corner. Uh, on River Avenue. And that's always been my problem is being able to expand past that. So I have the online, but like when I advertise something or I come out with a new shirt, it goes only so far. You know, the people who share, we all have the same friends. You know what I mean? Like all your buddies are my buddy. Like we all have mutual friends on Facebook. So it's kind of hard to kind of grow that reach. Um, and the mask for one of those things where there was such a need, like uh, I had cousins who were ordering that I had heard from in a really long time. And like, their friends were, oh, where's, oh, this is my cousin. You should, you know, hit him up. And it was like one of those type of things. So Great. it was, it, it was, it was super, super helpful. So the New York Post came out with a very nice article on you. Uh, I think it was yeah. either Wednesday night. It was, I think it was yeah. in Wednesday's paper, maybe. Um, yes, paper, yeah. Very nice article uh, regarding you and uh, one of the Mets super fans from the Seven Line. Um, in there, I read it, the whole thing, uh, but I didn't realize. And- <laughs> this is true or not but you weren't haven't been back to the stadium since the middle of 2016 is that correct i haven't been to a game i mean um obviously i go up and i I run a t-shirt stand like i have a business up there so um i've been to the bronx obviously if you follow me on instagram you see i post like every sunday morning that's like my favorite thing because i like being the first guy there um so i'm still obviously i'm still there i'm still around you know i'm just not really participating in the record doing that thing right now um it just it, it it just kind of fell out at the time and there's other things that were going on. Like I had to get a regular job, you know, like I don't work there. I don't work for the team and you could sell t-shirts uh, that have the best stuff and be all set up. But like, if it rains, like I lose a night like that. Like I can't, it, when you have kids in a mortgage, like you can't really live life like that. You know what I mean? So it was just tough to make it like a full time job. You know, as much as I wanted it to be, or I would love for it to be, um, at the time, it was just like, I had to look out for my family. You know, I had to work a regular gig and committing. I'm either going to commit or I'm not, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I can make it to Wednesday's game and maybe I'll be there on Saturday. Or if I get somebody to cover the stand, I'll do, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. So, um, I wasn't able to swing it for a while. And like, even last year, like I, w- I planned to go to opening day. Like the night before I bought a ticket and it wound up being like snowed out or rained out or something like it was postponed, yep. but I had coverage at the stand. Like my buddy, Ian, the kid has worked for me for a really long time. Um, he was coming down from Orange County. Like we were going to make it happen. I was going to go in and, and rock it, man. Uh, but what happened happens, you know, and it just didn't, didn't pan out, you know? So I'm not like against it. I'm not like, uh, anti everything's different now. You know what I mean? The team is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the issues that I, that I had in the past, like those guys are gone, man. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I don't know. I, there's, I, I can say, never say never. I've left a million times. And like, if I can get my situation correct at the stand where really business is the most important thing for me now, 
Uh, if we get the business correct and I can go inside and make some noise, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. But like I said, don't, the situation has to be right for everybody, you know? That's the, that's the kind of last question I wanted to leave you off with. Bald Vinny was a fixture at Yankee Stadium for so long in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then, um, you know, life gets in the way. You got to make decisions and you got to do your own thing. You got to make what's best for your family, kids and stuff like that. But will there be a time, when will it come a time where you say maybe, hey, I want to get back into this because I miss it and I want to be back out there with, you know, Tina and what's up? Uh, let me tell you, bro, honestly, it's like that every day. You know what I mean? Like I, it, I run a different, very different type of business where I am the business. You know what I mean? Like there's no value to my t-shirt company without me there. You know, um, Bleacher Creature Apparel doesn't sell because I'm not that guy, and you know what I mean? Like, I, we used to rock out in the bleachers, and then, who is that? What's going on? Oh, yo, that's Bob Vinny. Yo, you gotta check him out on River Avenue after the game. He's got the dope. You know, and like, we, we don't get that anymore. You know, like that, that just, just simply doesn't happen. Um, I, I'll tell you 100%, and this is 100% ego-driven, um, I miss being that guy, man. That's fun. That's yeah. super fun, man. Getting up on a bench and being able to command a crowd for like 45 seconds and make everybody rock. Like, dude, the, uh, I, I like the two extremes. I like when nobody's there. You know what I mean? Because I know I can carry it. Yeah. And I know everybody hears me. Mm -hmm. And I like when I don't have to do anything when the crowd's just fire. You know what I mean? And people just... <laughs> like, those are two... Those are, the, those are the moments you live for, you know, like that's how you, that's what, what makes it fun, you know? And uh, that's obviously I miss that on a, like on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like I, I think everybody would miss that, but um, like I said, you never, you never know, man. It doesn't, I, I, you never know. You never know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with what's going on right, right. now. So we right. can't look too far ahead. So Vinny. I mean, I, at, at this point, like I would, I would go in on Skype. At the middle, you know what I mean? On the big jumbotron, we get some guys. Every Zoom, we'll do this big Zoom meeting of like fifty dudes, and we'll all, we'll chant everybody's name. I mean, I'll, whatever they want to do, you know, we'll make some noise. We're we're always down to support our team, and that's kind of been the Bleacher Creature mantra forever. You know, we make fun of a lot of people, but we love our Yankees. You know, we we root for the laundry man, so um, that's kind of our thing. So. Hopefully, you get to do it again soon. Yeah, hopefully. I miss seeing your face going to games and seeing your face on River Avenue, stopping by. Always say hello. Always uh, very respectful. And, you know, we've given you business in the past. You know, I have the shirt on here. Um, but, you know, the work you've done, you made my younger life from seven until now. I mean, you made it so much more fun. I mean, we have a lot of you guys are growing up now. And, like, when you were young back then, you guys are all making me feel super old, man, because you're like, that's impressionable baseball youth time. You know what I mean? Like seven to 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, like that's when you become a fan. And like for kids to come up to me now that are like 21, 22 years old, like, bro, you don't understand. You, I, I'm like, like I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like just cause that, that's what it means to me. It's like the fans are, have always been the most supportive of everything I've ever done. They've kept me in business, obviously. Uh, but like every time I bounce, you know, like I leave or I try to do something, else, the fans, the fans, the fans, the fans, the fans are like, bro, come back, please. It's not the same. So I would love for the team or the players or like the organization to show that, but the fan to have that love from the fans means more than anything in the world because 
like again, they, they keep everything going. Without any of those people, like I, none of this would ever exist. Very cool, man. A pleasure catching up with you. I hope Cheers, you're man. Thanks, you man. continue to stay safe. Keep making those t-shirts for us, those masks for us. And uh, boldvinny.com, go check him out. He's got a whole bunch of great stuff if you don't know already. Definitely. And, uh, you know, all the best to your family, man. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Be safe, everybody. Peace.